You're listening to the Better Health Podcast with April, a platform dedicated to coaching women in areas of health, lifestyle, and legacy by speaking with leading health and wealth experts and with the goal to inspire women to thrive in their lives today and in the future. Now, on to today's episode. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Better Health. Today on the show, I have with me Melissa Bell, who helps women with menopause and she just helps them to have hope and address certain symptoms and understand what are the core problems that they're facing right now. So I'm looking forward to diving in. It's relevant for women in menopause and for those that are not because it better helps us to prepare. So welcome to the show, Melissa. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Of course. So to dive right in, I'd love to know where are you from and what was your family and childhood like in regards to health? Yeah, sure. Well, I'm originally from New York, although I have lived in 28 places over the last uh, (laughs) since I left New York to go to college. So kind of all over Uh, in terms of family health. I mean, my parents tried, I guess I'll say that. Right. You know, like we didn't eat fast food. We my mom made home cooked meals all the time but they followed the advice of the time, right? And so when I was growing up, it was fat is bad and sugar's okay, right? Carbs are fine and fat is terrible for you. So I grew up, you know, in that sort of a mind, uh, a household where, you know, we had the fat-free snack wells, but you can eat as many as you want because they're quote unquote healthy. (laughs) No fat because it's fat-free. Yeah, yeah, but I also grew up, um, my mom was always like always on the latest diet, always, you know, doing stuff like that. So I, I grew up in a very diet mentality household, which, you know, isn't the healthiest thing as opposed to focusing on like just eating healthier. So, yeah. Interesting. Interesting. What were some of the, um, many places that you've lived just out of curiosity? Uh, so I went to college in Washington, DC. So I lived there for a while. I lived in Boston. I've lived in Puerto Rico. I've lived in San Diego, Minnesota, uh, El Salvador, Oklahoma. Uh, Now I'm in Chicago. So yeah, just a bunch of different places. What was one of your favorite places before we move on to the next question? Oh, I mean, I'm a a New Yorker. I love New York. I love the energy of New York. Um, Weather-wise, San Diego, though, (laughs) by far. Of course, you couldn't say anything else (laughs) weather-wise. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh, wow. Interesting. And so, yeah. And understanding the fact that like a diet mentality, like growing up with that can really shape a child in regards to their adulthood and um, always having that mindset, it can lead to different problems. Did you notice anything in regards to having a diet mindset? Did it brush off on you um, and how you view food? Oh, hundred percent. I know. Like it took me, it took me probably 40 years to have a good relationship with food. Like, you know, just always struggling and thinking, oh, if I just do this juice fast, oh, if I just take, you know, these pills, if I just, you know, will count points, then my whole life will be great. And I won't have to worry anymore. And it just sets you on that roller coaster up and down and up and down. So, yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. definitely. And I can, I can relate to with that, you know, I've just had to really work on my mindset with it as well. So it's, it's a struggle um, for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, So what ultimately got you into health and specifically helping women with like menopause? Yeah. So, you know, I think because of always being aware of the food I was eating, even if I wasn't approaching it from the healthiest mindset, Mm -hmm. I still was always very into, um, you know, knowing the latest 
science and data and things on food. So I've always been like a nutritional junkie, like researching things. Um, although it was never my career, I was actually a special agent with the Drug Enforcement Administration for over 10 years. So yeah, it's completely different. Um, and after we had our son and my husband was also an agent at the time, it was just very hectic to like, no, you go pick him up from daycare. No, you go pick him up from daycare. Like I'm on surveillance. No, you're on surveillance kind of thing. And uh so I left and, you know, spent a bunch of years at home with him and homeschooling him. But then homeschooling really wasn't our jam together. I guess I should just say <laughs> it, yeah. wasn't the, it wasn't the best for our relationship. And uh, so when I sent him off to school, uh, I was like, well, what now? And, you know, I, I had been, you know, helping friends of mine like I said, develop better relationships with food and, and lose weight on their own. And someone's like, you should just do this for a living. I was like, really? Hmm. And so I became a certified health coach and I was doing it for a few years. And then um, I went through my own menopause really early. Like I hit perimenopause at age 41 and I yeah went into full-blown menopause at age 46. So super early. Hmm. Um, you know, I had a lot of doctors say, you're too young, you're too young. And like, we know our bodies best. Like, it doesn't matter what a doctor tells us, like we know our bodies. And then when you hit menopause, the doctor can't tell you you're wrong. Your cycle is stopped right yeah. here, right? <laughs> so there it is, right? Um, and I was fine. I had a lot of symptoms. I had insomnia, I had heart palpitations, um, things I didn't even know were related to perimenopause at the time. But I have to tell you, April, again, because of my not so healthy, you know, body, self body image issues, it wasn't until I put on like 15 pounds because of menopause and all the changes that happened. I was like, uh, OK, <laughs> Like, oh, right. <laughs> I got to do something about this and nothing that I was normally would do worked, you know, like things that I would tell my clients to do count calories, count macros, work out hard, you know, things like that just wasn't working mm -hmm. anymore. And so I, again, put on my researcher hat and I was like, there has to be something I can do. And so I discovered that just because you're eating healthy, doesn't mean you're necessarily eating right for your body during this, this time, like to support to support my hormones, support my body through the changes. And, uh, and so I did by doing a bunch of different things. I lost the 20 pounds. I feel great. I don't have any hot flashes, no more night sweats. Like I sleep through the night. Like I feel a hundred percent better. And that's when I was like, wow, like if I didn't know all this, like me, like someone who's been like super into nutrition and stuff, my entire life, adult life, mm -hmm. Then there's so many women who don't know and not knocking doctors, but there's so many doctors who don't know this either. Like medical school nutrition is one class, you yeah. know, they don't even really get to learn all this. So exactly. I was like, you know, that was, that was my sign. Like, this is my mission. This is, I want to help other women go through menopause. As I like to say, menopause doesn't have to suck, right? It could be, you can go through with ease and flow. So, yeah. Wow. And why do you think you end up going into menopause so early? Maybe, maybe, you know, this, maybe you don't, um, just out of curiosity or what ideas do you have with it? Yeah, I do. I have a few. So like my cycle was always messed up. Like I never had a normal cycle. Um, my son was an IVF baby. So I think I always had imbalances in my, in my system. Um, but I have to say, I think, I think nowadays and the, and, um, I think women are going into perimenopause in general earlier because of stress. I, I, I'm a hundred percent believe this. It's, it's not, 
it's not all just like woo and, you know, meditate to like get into your inner child or anything like stress has a complete physiological effect on our bodies. Mm-hmm. Like it, it causes, I mean, you know, you say stress, people think stroke and heart attack and things like that, but it totally messes up your whole endocrine system as well. Mm-hmm. And especially when we're getting older as women and our ovaries are slowing down their production of our normal sex hormones that gets taken over by our adrenal glands. Our adrenal glands are the ones that then are responsible for producing our estrogen and progesterone. And they're also, that's also responsible for producing cortisol. Mm. So if you're always stressed out and, and stress nowadays is, I mean, cortisol is amazing in what it does and what it was created for. Like it gets us into that fight or flight, right? Like we had to run from something or fight something off, right? It gives us this thing. But nowadays we're not running from anything. We're not fighting off anything. We're pissed off in traffic or we're late to get our kid from school or we left our cell phone at home, right? Or the person in front of us is paying with a check at the grocery store, right? (laughs) All this crazy stuff, right? And it's all stressful. But if we're always in that state of micro stress, then our body's just producing cortisol. And guess what? It's not producing any of those sex hormones that we need. And so therefore, I really think like it's a huge issue because we're not, our our bodies aren't even able to try to balance itself out. Mm -hmm. Totally, totally. So what is an ideal menopausal phase? What does it look like? And what is, you know, it's probably considered the normal, the menop- like what menopause looks like, even though it's, it's not, it's not ideal. So what are, what's an example of that in the actual, like a healthy menopause? Uh, yeah, I would say a healthy menopause is one that you don't have a lot of symptoms, right? Because, <laughs> and yeah. by, by symptoms, I mean, it's the hot flashes, the night sweats, the insomnia, the irritability, anxiety, anxiety is a huge one. That's most women don't realize. And again, doctors don't even equate it like anxiety because your hormones are all over the place. And so women will go to the doctor, say, I'm feeling anxious and they're like, oh, here's a pill, right? Like here's, here's the pill, here's an antidepressant or something. So I mean, ideally you are creating a supportive and nurtured and loving environment within your own body so that you're able to go through with ease and flow. It doesn't have to be horrible. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and often they say normal, it's just normal. Well, normal is not actually normal. You know, even thinking before menopause, like if your, your cycles are off, like that's not normal or you're having really, really bad cramps. That's not normal, even though they see it is, Mm -hmm. Uh, which, yeah, it's just crazy. So, um, you would say the biggest problem women are facing today with menopause is stress and then affects Mm -hmm. so many different things. So how does like, what changes occur nutrition wise, um, when menopause occurs and what are the differences there compared to out of menopause? Yeah. I mean, a lot of the, a lot of the standbys still hold true, right? Stay away from the processed foods, eat things as close to nature as possible. Um, you know, limit your alcohol consumption. Cause I'll let, you know, like alcohol in the evening and, or spicy food or something like that will trigger those night sweats. Mm -hmm. Like that's a huge thing. Um, but also eating supportive foods. So there's so many things that you could eat that will are phytoestrogens. And I know a lot of people hear the word soy and soy gets such a bad rap. Like they get 
freaked out about eating soy. But again, the rule stands, eat things close to nature, right? So eat the edamame, don't eat the soy isolate that's in like that protein powder or something, right? So like, and you know, have miso soup, don't eat the, the soy processed soy milk, you know, so things like that. Um, flax seeds are amazing because they're also a pretty strong phytoestrogen, but they have a lot of fiber and a lot of great fats. So just really things like that are, that are going to support you. And then I'm big on drink, like our liver plays such a role in cleaning out all the gunk from our body. So really supporting your liver, like drinking those detox teas, dandelion root, milk thistle, things like that. So substitute like your cup of coffee in the morning with like a great detox tea would be awesome. Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah. yeah that, those are all great reminders. And, you know, what about like fats and everything, you know, sometimes fats can get a bad rap in the typical, like day-to-day -day language of health, even though, you know, in the health realm, health fats are so incredibly healthy. Does fats have any effect on women in menopause and the amounts they get and mm -hmm. types? Yeah. I mean, again, get your healthy fat. I'm, I mean, if I like, if I had to pick two foods, <laughs> I think like all my clients should be, be like eggs and avocados, right? I feel like they're great for like fats and protein and avocados, a ton of fiber in it as well. So yeah, healthy fats from olive oil, avocados, things like that. Um, super important, especially for brain health, right? Like, so as we are hitting midlife and menopause, like it's not just thinking about like, you know, our sex hormones or things like that, but it's also thinking about our brains and dementia mm -hmm. and Alzheimer's and things like that. So eating healthy fats, like, please, please eat. Don't be afraid. Don't fear the fat, right? <laughs> Put down those snack wells <laughs> and eat your healthy fat. Yeah, exactly. I'm right there with you. And what does fitness look like when women go into menopause? What are the differences there? Uh, so it depends, like, uh, um, I'll talk to my clients and it just depends on where they are. So if I have a client that is very stressed out, um, I will actually have them cut back on things like hardcore cardio or things like that. And I'll have them do more yoga and more stretching and even things like that, just because when I want them to detox and de-stress, like doing your body, like even if cardio is great for you and I'm not knocking it, but it's a stressor on your body, right? It's creating like your heart rate's elevated and everything. So it is a stressor. So I'd really try to have them reduce the amount of cardio that they're doing. Um, super important for women at all ages, not just <laughs> menopausal women is weight training. Mm. weight training, weight training, weight training. I mean, as we get older, we're losing muscle mass, but muscle mass is so critical, not only to our everyday functionality, you know, you don't want to be that frail old lady one day, nobody ever wants to, right? So lifting heavy weights improves bone density and actually having more muscle will increase our, the level of testosterone in our body. So it's really, really necessary. And none of us are going to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like we can all lift. It doesn't matter. Lift the heaviest weight. Don't think you're going to get big and bulky but it's just really important. Mm, definitely. Yes. I think of like, you know, weightlifting, it, it builds so much more bone density, like you were, you were talking about. And it's so vital because thinking about after menopause happens, you know, our estrogen levels decrease. And so estrogen really helps your bone density. And so if you're not yeah. at, um, it can really deplete, um, quickly. And so mm -hmm. strength training, actually what's it's so crazy that it actually builds the density of it. Um, yeah. 
So well, it's just, just a stress. It's right. It's like anything under stress gets stronger. And so it's the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So fascinating. So, um, what are your thoughts on cycle syncing? I'm not sure like how familiar you are with it. Like outside of menopause, it's, you know, following the phases and eating to a certain degree mm-hmm. per phase in the fitness wise, what does that look like in menopause? And what are your thoughts on with that? And continuing it? Yeah. Perimenopause, I'd say you can still follow the cycle syncing, right? Because you're still getting your cycle. Once you're in menopause, it doesn't matter anymore. Like it doesn't, it's not, you're not going through the follicular cycle anymore. Like you can eat like all those great seeds that you eat, like seed cycling, you know, like pumpkin seeds and things like that. You can eat them whenever you want. And I highly encourage you to eat them whenever you want during menopause. Cause again, they're super supportive and it doesn't really affect anything in your cycle. So yes, yes. While you're in perimenopause, doesn't matter so much while you're in menopause. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so like, you know, think about flaxseed and everything and the, it's, you know, very nice natural form of like phytoestrogen. Yeah. Um, how does that play a role in our estrogen levels once we're in menopause? Um, does it balance it out? Does it increase it a little bit? Um, or does it regulate certain things? What's, what's its effect there? It increases it, right? So it, it especially, it'll just add, like provide more to your body. Um, and so there was a study done and uh, on like Western women versus Eastern women and Japanese women get like hardly any menopausal symptoms whatsoever compared to the Western world. And again, I'll say a lot of it is stress, right? They do a lot of like more, you know, holistic and things like that, like meditative stuff um, in Japan. But a lot of it is they do have a lot of tofu and miso and products like that and things like that in their diets. And so it definitely is more supportive. It's basically just it, it eating those things is, is not the equivalent of, but it, it performs the same thing as you, you go into the doctor and getting the pellets, you know, or getting, you know, going on whatever, you know, hormone replacement, you're just doing it naturally. Right. Right. Which is, which yeah. is how I vote. Yeah. <laughs> I'm with you there. I endorse that. <laughs> and think about surgery. A lot of women undergo surgery around menopausal time, you know, whether that's due to cysts or, um, just different reproductive, um, disorders going on. How, what effects does that have on the kind of the lifestyle that you're explaining when you hit menopause? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, that's instant menopause, right? Especially if you have an oophorectomy where your ovaries are completely removed, like that's instantaneous. Like you are in menopause in that second, basically that they remove all those. So it, it, it could be a shock to your system because it's not as natural or gradual as, as we're going through, like with the natural phases of perimenopause and then menopause. Um, in those cases, your doctor is going to put you on hormones mm-hmm. right away. Like it's, it's just a given, um, especially, I mean, I, I hear about it more and more doctors just like the hysterectomy is like their go-to for a lot of female um, problems. So kind of disheartening there, but um, yeah, I mean, again, just because you're on the hormones or things like that doesn't mean you shouldn't be eating better to support your body. It doesn't mean you shouldn't be doing the stress reduction tools and and meditations and things like that. Because if you, if you don't support your body that way, and you're solely relying on the pills to get you through, it's like putting a bandaid on a bullet hole, right? Like it's, it's, you're, you're relying on pharma to, to solve your problems. Whereas like you could be, it could be a lot easier and gentler if you would do all the right things to support your body. 
Does that make sense? I think I said 100%. 100%. Okay. <laughs> Do you think it's necessary, you know, when a woman goes through surgery and everything and hits menopause instantly? Do you think it is, you know, beneficial to have those synthetic hormones that um, doctors often prescribe and whatever? You know, I would never, I, I never like to go against the advice of anyone's doctor, right? I'm not a doctor. So um, I don't know anyone's full medical history to make like a, even an educated guess on a case by case basis, right? But again, um, that's something if you follow the protocols of, of, you know, what I prescribe and eating better and, and doing a lot of the stress reduction tools that I take my clients through, mm-hmm. then you go get your blood work done again, right? Like, so then you go and do the checks and maybe you don't need to be on as high of a level of hormones, or eventually maybe you can be taken off them, right? Cause they're not meant to be on them for life. So it's just, yeah, I, I'd say doing them sticking with what your doctor prescribed, but doing all the protocols that like I take my clients through and then getting a checkup and seeing the differences. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And what are the steps that you take when you work with um, clients? Like, I guess, what are the first initial steps to get them going into the program? And then eventually what does that lead into? Yeah. So it's, it's really like a it originally started out with me that I was strictly doing the nutritional coaching with my clients, right? Like I would, and what I do is I give them, it's like a hundred questions of, do you have this? Right. And so many things that you would see on the list and be like, what, like, how is that even related? Right. But I'm not just testing. I, the questions aren't geared just towards like your sex hormones, like it's geared towards your stress levels and things like that. So I get an assessment of where they are in terms of their hormone levels. And then I come up with a plan. And it's not strict, right? Because anything, again, growing up in that diet culture that I did, anything that's so strict or restrictive, or like you feel like there's like something's bad, you know, or I did this sort of a thing. So it's just guidance. These are the foods you should be eating. Let's focus on this kind of a thing. And that's how I started, just doing like detoxes and, and helping my clients that way. But I realized something pretty early on in working with the women that I work with that it's not only the menopause that's bothering them, or that's an issue at this point in their lives. It's also, holy crap, I'm 40 something. And I don't know what I want to be when I grow up, or like, I've been in this job all my life, and I hate it. Or, you know, I've always wanted to, you know, travel the world, and I've never done it. And now I'm feeling like it's too late. So I, I, I not only work with them on the nutritional part, but I also work with them sort of on getting their not getting their life together, but getting their life focused, right? So like letting them realize that we're not old, we're not washed up, we're, <laughs> we have a heck of a lot of life left in us, right? Um, and really setting them on the path to find what's going to make them happy and make their heart sing in the second half of their life, because we got so much time left. I actually just read a really interesting study that um, I think uh, Kellogg Business School did. And it was the average or the top like one percent of entrepreneurs didn't get their start until they were 45 Mm. like 45 Mm. you know like (laughs) (laughs) yeah we got tons of time you know to change the world or do whatever do whatever it is that we want so great reminder and and it gives women hope of like it's it's okay if you're you know the age you're at and you might be starting over with a certain career choice or whatever that's okay and like you have plenty of time to get that started. And if it's your passion, go for it. Tons of time. You know, like I, 
I truly believe we're put on this earth to be happy. Like, I don't think that whatever higher power you believe in, whether it's like God or the universe or source energy or whatever it is, like, I don't believe they put us on this earth to be miserable. So, you know, find your happiness. I'm all about it. You know, never too late. 100%. Mm -hmm. So I would love to know what is a day in the life of Melissa, like a snapshot of it (laughs) in regards to what you eat and then like your workout routine. Oh, I was like, what? Wake my kid up, make sure he brushes his teeth. Yeah. That's pretty much it. Um, yeah. So my, I'm very big on intuitive eating. So, uh, a lot of times, especially, especially in our Western civilization, we eat on a schedule, right? Wake up, have breakfast, you know, 12 o'clock, got to go have lunch, like, oh, three o'clock, got to have my coffee break, things like that. So I'm very into um, eating intuitively. I think that helped me a lot on my journey. Mm-hmm. So uh, I gave up coffee, so I don't drink coffee anymore. Uh, that was, yeah. Um, That's a huge, uh, huge. Yeah, <laughs> it was pretty big. Uh, the only other time I gave it up was when I was pregnant. And then as oh. soon as I, as soon as I had my son, I was like, crap, crap. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so I drink, I, uh, I wake up pretty early. I wake up at five 30 every morning. And then I, um, I have, I'm a Peloton person. Mm. So I'll either uh, do a ride or do a run or, uh, or a yoga class, or I do a weight workout. So it just depends on the the cycle of the day. So I'd get one of those done and then I do my breath work. So I do about 20 minutes of breath work and that's sort of my meditation time also. And again, that's the reason I wake up at 5.30 so no one's bothering me um, during all, all this time. Not my family, not my, one of my seven pets, nothing. Like it's my, it's my time. Yes. And, uh, and then, yeah, and then I drink, um, it's a, a mushroom coffee. It's called mud water. Oh, and, yeah. yeah, and I love it. Um, yeah, that's what I, that was my first switch, like off of coffee. And I remember drinking and going, this doesn't taste like coffee, but it's not supposed to, right? It's, <laughs> but right. It, it's, it's got a lot of mushrooms in it and adaptogens yeah. and, yeah. and so it's really good for me. And uh, yeah, and then I usually don't have my breakfast until probably around 11 o'clock in the morning. Like that's when I'll get hungry, you know? And yeah. so um, I have chickens in my backyard, oh, so nice. That's perfect. <laughs> yes. So I'll have eggs, nice oh. fresh eggs in the morning. Yes. Um, always a protein. Protein at every meal is key, I think. Um, yeah, lunch, salad um, with some chicken on it or tofu on it or something. Again, pumpkin seeds or flaxseed, ground flax seeds on it. I'm not a big smoothie person. And not because I don't like them. I am too lazy to clean the Vitamix. I really can't. <laughs> It's a lot. It's a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Like that is my only reason why I have to admit. Yeah. And then dinner, dinner's, you know, generic, uh, a protein again. So chicken, fish, beef, something on the, on the plate. And then, uh, like a rice cauliflower or something like that. Uh, and then a green vegetable and a salad. Yeah. Pretty easy. I'm not like a, I like to, I always would get Martha Stewart living when I was in my twenties and be like, Oh, I could totally, this is like how I like, I could live like this. And now it's like, Psh. yeah, I need 30 minute meals or less. Like, yeah. <laughs> I love it though. I mean, that's, that's amazing meal right there is like having a good solid protein, like a nice fish. And then mm-hmm. like, yeah. Perfect. And you can make veggies so good. Like, you know, so sprouts, whatever it may be. It's, 
It's easy. Yeah. <laughs> and then I, I usually throughout the day, I'm sipping some herbal tea or cleansing tea. Uh, I'm big on uh tea to Jamaica or hibiscus tea. It's really, really good for you. Um, but if you take, um, this is a warning to your listeners. If you're on high blood pressure medication, do not drink hibiscus tea because it's actually shown to be as effective as medication in lowering your blood pressure. So it could drop your blood pressure too low. That's yeah. crazy. Well, good mm-hmm. to know. Good yeah. to reference right there. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. So, um, so much great information that you shared that's super attainable for women. Um, what key takeaways do you have for them? Uh, reduce your stress, reduce your stress, reduce your stress. Like I've just, and there's just one thing I can say to women. And I know it's so, it's so much easier said than done, but there definitely are a bunch of tools that I use with my clients to help them do it. But the simplest is just breath work throughout the day, really finding maybe five minutes to meditate throughout the day. Meditation is just like exercise. It's money in the bank. Like it pays dividends going forward. Um, like I said, I'm a big study person. So there was another study done, uh, where they took a group of adults and they meditated for like 10 minutes a day for three months. And then they tracked them. Like they didn't have to do any more meditation after them. And the effects were for 10 years, like the effects on their brain and their brain waves and their stress levels was good, like up to 10 years for just doing it for three months. So yeah. Easy. So it's like covering 10 minutes a day of that it's like, it's a no brainer. I mean, you have time, you have 10 minutes. So you do that 10 people, minutes, 10 minutes is you can do it. Get up you 10 minutes it. earlier, you know, it's yeah. not- <laughs> do it right before you're, when you lay down to go to bed. Right. Like, yeah. So, and that mm-hmm. dramatically for like so many women that struggle with sleep because it, it reduces the, the high stress that you may be experiencing, which allows you to not sleep very well. So, yeah. Brain dump is another big thing before going to sleep. I'm bit like write down everything that's bothering you. Mm-hmm. That way you don't have your brain will your brain won't feel the the need to keep reminding you of it. If you've written it down, then you won't have to keep thinking about it. So mm-hmm. great, great tool to use for sure. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, this has been amazing, Melissa. Before we wrap up the episode, I have some rapid fire questions for you. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Who's the most influential woman in your life? Past, present, you may have met them, maybe not. Mm-hmm. Who? Um, my mom, I have to say. And I mean, she's amazing. She's strong. She's been through so much in her life, but she goes through it with such a quiet grace, um, which I aspire to. <laughs> I, I am not quiet nor graceful when it comes to my opinions or my emotions, but she is. And yeah, so she's definitely been a big influence on me. That's so amazing. I love it. I just love hearing when people share their moms. <laughs> what is your favorite food? Uh, well, I'm an, I'm a New Yorker. Pizza. Pizza is my weakness. Yes. Oh, I love okay. it. Such right. a weakness. <laughs> so good. So good. And thick crust or thin crust? Oh, thin crust. Yeah. Oh. I like, I like the toppings. I don't feel yeah. the need to waste it on the bread, but I, I'm very, I love a good tangy crust too. Oh man. And like a good sweet um, sauce. I'm a big sauce person, like having a lot of extra of that. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's moving on. <laughs> Are you a past present or future thinker? Uh, definitely present. Yeah. And, and that's working. That's a, it's, it's been work to get there, right? Because again, with stress levels, right? You, if you're living in the past, you're stressing over something you can't change. If you're living in the future, 
you're stressing out about things that haven't happened or you have no idea what's going to happen, but like, yeah, really trying to be like present, present mm -hmm. in every day, you know, and especially when, once you have kids or whatever, like if you're not there and present, you're missing so much, mm -hmm. so much. Yeah, definitely. For sure. Mm -hmm. Um, what is your favorite travel destination or a dream destination? Oh, my dream destination. I mean, I love Italy. I love traveling to Italy, but my dream destination would be one of those, like those over the water things in Fiji, right? Like oh, those. Yeah. <laughs> Lowe's. Yes. I, who wouldn't say yes to that? <laughs> Definitely. <Yeah. laughs> oh man. I, one day, one day, <laughs> one day, one day when we travel again, <laughs> there you go. Oh man. And just every time I ask this question, I'm like, we're always like, oh man, someday soon. <laughs> Uh, and last one, are you a reader? And if so, what are you reading right now? Oh my God. Yes. I'm a reader. I have like four books on my Kindle and I have a pile right here. So I have the power of decision by Raymond Charles Barker. I have ask and it is given by Esther and Jerry Hicks. I have what school can be. That's like a parent book. I have to read for my kids school. <laughs> And then I have High Performance Habits by Brendan Bruchard. Like I'm literally reading all of these at once, right? Oh, mind you. Yeah. Oh, and Anatomy of the Spirit by Carolyn Meese. Wow. That's so yeah. awesome. And how long does it take for you to get through all those? Uh, it'll, this will, yeah, it probably takes me about two weeks a book. So jumping between nice. each one, you know. That's amazing. That's so awesome. I love that you said that. <laughs> like so many. <laughs> it's good though. Yeah. So <laughs> oh man. So how can listeners connect with you, Melissa? Yeah, sure. So um, I'm on Instagram. Who isn't on Instagram? Oh, um, at Coach Melissa Bell. Mm. And then I just got on Clubhouse, but I have no idea how to use yeah. it. So <laughs> no. <laughs> and, yeah, I think I'm Melissa D. Bell on Clubhouse. And then, uh, yeah, my website, if you want to come check it out, is www.yourpowersurge.com. So why? Because I like to say that it's a power flash, not it's a power surge, not a hot flash. So that's so I amazing. I love it. I love it. And that'll all be in the show notes, too. Great. Wow. <laughs> Thank you, Melissa. You Thank have, you. Fun and uh, conversation is easy with you and you have so much to offer women. And so thank you for what you're doing and thanks for being on the show. Oh my God. Thank you so much for having me. It was super fun.